Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm going to talk about my favorite position group, the offensive line. The Lions are facing a lot of decisions along what was one of the league's best units last year. First things first, let's start with Coyote Awasoka, an, an exclusive rights free agent, which means he just has to take whatever the Lions offer. He didn't embarrass himself when he was forced into action last year, so he'll be back on a league minimum deal because there's no reason to not do that. And there are no restricted free agents, so let's just move on to the unrestricteds. And we'll start with the big one. I made a video last year saying I didn't think Jonah Jackson was going to be a Lion long-term. I'm not patting myself on the back here because I think I arrived in the right spot, but probably for the wrong reason in the end. I thought he was going to have a bounce back year and price himself out of Detroit, being one of those guys who gets, you know, 18, 19, 20 million dollars. And well, he didn't. And the Lions have enough cap space to not seriously chance losing Jackson if that was what they wanted to do. I haven't successfully bugged Brad Holmes' office yet, so I don't claim to know what they do. I don't text any of John Dorsey's little canaries that are trapping us. Uh, (laughs) But when the center's in constant pain and there's a guard that's missing time with little dings constantly... That's not going to play well with the center in question. Uh, neither would that guard getting a really big contract and and causing other people to leave while this guy's not necessarily playing every game. Or if, let's say like it stopped you from re-signing, you know, Taylor Decker next year. Not going to play super well in the room long term. Let's look at a couple metrics for Jackson. Uh, like First, look, let's look at AV, which is the pro football reference stat telling you whether good things or bad things happen in the area that that player is playing all season. Jackson's been a 7 or 8 for his whole career. That's, that's who he is. That's the level he plays at. Well, that's an average starter, which there's nothing wrong with being that, but you don't pay top-tier dollars for that, particularly if that is only playing 12 games a year. This year, he had a 5 because of the time that he missed. People like to cite his Pro Bowl season in 2021 as a sign that he's an excellent player, but to be frank, it was an alternate selection in a year where Lions fans had basically nobody to vote for on either side of the ball. That team was terrible, but we got him in. Uh, (laughs) It was his best year, but it wasn't like a dominant season by any means. He's kind of had an he's had an average grade from PFF of about 63 over his career and he's never gotten above 70. He's fine to good. That's that's the eye test on Jonah Jackson. That is what every statistic that measures anything about offensive linemen basically tells you. He's fine. You can get fine in the middle rounds of the draft. That's where they got Jonah in the first place. I'm just saying this is a as it turns out, reasonably decent offensive line draft, it's looking like. But I think someone somewhere in the league is going to see that uh, there's a Pro Bowl there. 
and think that they've got the coaches to get Jonah back to that level. So I frankly don't expect him back and because I think he'll get a better offer somewhere else. Unfortunately, that just kind of is what it is. Uh, Graham Glasgow, on the other hand, gives the team a starting guard and a high-level backup center, probably the best backup center on a roster in the league. He signed a one-year show-me deal, and in my opinion, he showed us what he is, and that that's kind of more valuable to the Detroit Lions than what Jonah Jackson brings to the party. He said he wants to come back, and I can't think of a reason that the team wouldn't want him back. So he's going to be back. <laughs> I, I would suggest he's probably about to get a pretty big pay raise, though it won't be another four-year, $44 million deal like the one he signed with the Broncos when he left in the first place. It's, it's going to be decent. You know, probably close to 10, not 10 would, would be my guess with him. And considering what he signed for last year, that's... It's crazy that the Lions got him for that, basically. And that takes us to the two tackles, Matt Nelson and Dan Skipper. They've both played guard and tackle at times, if I'm recalling correctly, about their career snaps with the Lions. They've been up, they've been down, they've been cut, they've been brought back. I would expect them to at least be back for camp. But I wouldn't bet that they both make the 53 next year, which might make one or both of them decide to look for greener pastures. Like the Lions did draft Colby Sorsdahl last year, and that is probably their swing tackle intention going forward is that they develop him and he's the guy. But right now, both of the players I just mentioned are better players, and Sorsdahl's long-term future might be one of these guard positions. Basically, if the Lions make moves this offseason, it's going to be a guard or the interior somewhere like they might draft. Somebody high, like if you take a look at all of the centers that are being listed as potential first-round picks, there are three of them. We've in, on this channel, we've interviewed at least one of them. Any of those guys would be good picks because, realistically speaking, the fact that the subject of Frank Ragnow's retirement is even coming up probably makes interior offensive line the most glaring need that the Detroit Lions have on their offense. It's going to be very interesting to watch what the Lions do in this draft at the interior will tell you a lot how about how real that Frank Ragnow conversation is if they don't take any interior offensive linemen then that's purely a media creation and has nothing no basis in reality if they grab someone like Jackson Powers Johnson with guard center versatility at say pick 29 believe what the Lions are telling you this regime is not obfuscating what they're doing very often in hindsight. Like when you look back at what they've done, you can tell what they were going for. It's it's not it's not a mystery after the fact, like some places where you're like, why would they do that? With the Lions, you know why they would do that. And the reason is like last year, they, they told you they wanted to stop the run better. They wanted to run the ball better. They drafted a running back and they drafted a linebacker. Believe what they tell you. Like, they don't telegraph their moves beforehand, so I can't tell you what they're going to do, but the moves do paint a picture. So, as far as high picks go, what you're looking at at the Combine this week is you are looking at the interior offensive linemen that are listed as high picks. 
it would be pretty surprising if they took a tackle unless they were going to move that tackle to the inside. And there's a whole bunch of guys who can do that. Uh, Jeff and Chris are going to go over some of that stuff this week. Definitely, you know, Bish and Brown, our boys, are they're going to be going over it probably a couple times over the course of the combine. Hopefully, we'll have like some kind of combine so far stuff coming from those guys this week. So just uh, check in, you know, hit like and subscribe. Do all the wonderful things that we want you to do. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow when I'm talking about corners. Have a great day. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.